Hello, this is Pastor Dan of Edgeboro Moravian Church, and thanks for joining in and listening to this worship by phone recording. This recording is for the week of Sunday, May 16th. This was Ascension Sunday, uh, the Sunday closest to Ascension Day, which was this past Thursday, uh, 40 days, including Easter Sunday, after Easter uh, that is traditionally when it's been understood that Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection. And so that is the scripture passage that we focus on this week. Now, our live stream was interrupted a little bit uh, due to technical difficulties. So there uh, are pieces of the service we were not able to capture. And so this service is uh, a little bit shorter, or at least both sound a little bit different. Uh, we had Andrew Miller reading scripture, for example. Unfortunately, we didn't get that piece recorded, so you will hear me reading scripture. Uh, we didn't get all of our liturgy captured, so you will hear just a little bit at the tail end as we closed our service. Uh, so different things that interrupted our recording, but we still bring to you this uh, worship by phone recording nonetheless, so we hope that it is uh, spirit-filled uh, and worshipful. So let us quiet our hearts now as we come before God together. Our scripture reading for today comes from Luke 24, verses 44 through 53. Then Jesus said to the disciples, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. Shout to 
On this Ascension Sunday, uh, we, we remember the story that Andrew read. These were the final moments that Jesus was on earth, uh, according to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and he spent those moments with his disciples. This time is, is pretty important, actually, for the disciples when you stop and focus on this for a little bit, because it is the, the beginning of their time as followers of Christ without Christ physically being by their side. So to help us jump into this passage a little bit deeper, I, I want you to visualize something with me. I'd invite you to think back to when you first learned how to ride a bike. For some of us, maybe we're a bit older, and it might take us a few more moments to think back a couple of years. But uh, I'll get uh, you were you were you were you were talking. I didn't say anything. So. <laughs> For some of us, it could have been when we were pretty young. Uh, for other, uh, others, others of us, it might have taken uh, a, a few more years. But either way, or, or perhaps there's some of us that, that never quite learned, but we can imagine this together. So just visualize that for a second. When you first learn how to ride a bike, can you picture your first bike? What color was it? Mine was a black and orange Huffy. Went very well with Halloween. Could you wobble back and forth a little bit on the training wheels? Did anything squeak, or was it a brand new bike? Was it a Christmas present? Maybe a birthday present? Maybe a hand-me-down? Do you remember how much you loved to ride it? So you're at a point then, you're learning how to ride your bike. You're getting pretty good with the training wheels on. And now your parent or your bike riding teacher, whoever that might be, someone else determines that you are ready to have those training wheels come off. And so they come off. You're excited because you're one step closer to being like the big kids, but you're nervous because you could fall. But it's okay because at least your bike riding teacher will be with you as you learn how to ride without your training wheels. Well, after some tough practice and instruction, you finally get the hang of it. Riding your bike all by yourself without your training wheels, you are so proud because you know everything about riding a bike in that moment. And just when you figure out everything you need to know about riding a bike, instead of letting you ride to your heart's content, strangely, the bike riding teacher that you have takes your bike and then says, okay, now that you know how to ride it, you gotta wait for a little while. What? 
Why would you ever take away my bike? Why do you need to do this? You said I was ready. Why can't I ride this right now and keep riding it and riding it and riding it until it gets dark? You know, insert tantrum here because our bikes were just taken away and we don't know why. We have to wait. Of course, that doesn't feel normal. Usually when we are taught to do something new and we finally learn how to do that thing, we want an opportunity to then do it and do it as much as we would like. So this is a little bit weird to have someone, once we ride a bike, suddenly take it away. And I have to give credit where credit is due. The disciples are in a very similar situation. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but they are forced to wait, but they don't throw a tantrum. They actually go away rejoicing. So I have to give them credit, but it is kind of similar. So let's talk about that. The disciples are kind of like riding, like they're learning how to ride a bike. Throughout their time with Jesus, instead of riding a bike, they're learning how to be witnesses, how to be disciples, those that can speak on behalf of Christ, those that can act on behalf of Christ. And so they have learned different lessons with him. They have interpreted scripture with him. They've even practiced healing people and feeding people with him. They've done all of these things with Jesus. And now in this moment, Jesus seems to be putting the final touches on all of their learnings. And so he's opening their minds to scripture and points out how the prophets were right about him and ensures that promises from God will be fulfilled so the disciples have everything they need, or so they think, in this moment to go out into the world on behalf of Christ for the first time without Christ. And Jesus kind of acknowledges that they're ready too. For most of the time, he's speaking in present tense. So when he says, you are, my, or you are witnesses to these things, he means it. He doesn't mean you will be witnesses to these things. No, you currently are witnesses. You are ready. So upon hearing all of this, one could easily say that now Jesus is about to ascend into heaven and the training wheels will now come off for the disciples. But instead of setting them loose so that they can do what they've been taught to do, Jesus kind of takes away their bike. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay, more literally, like sit down, take a seat, don't move, stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. Now perhaps some other things, some answers or, or seeing the other side of the resurrection and how it actually worked out was enough to overjoy the disciples and that's exactly how they felt when they left when Jesus ascended. But honestly, after reading this, I'm left wondering why Jesus couldn't just clothe them with power from on high in other words, give them the Holy Spirit right there and then. Why did they have to wait? If I were a disciple, I'd be asking, well, why can't we go heal people now? We have everything we need. Why can't we go do what you just said we were ready to do? What's with this waiting game that we're playing? Clearly, I would have a hard time with this. Waiting for Jesus or waiting on God and waiting on God to act is something that people have struggled with forever. Just read the Psalms, and there's proof right there. Time and time again, different versions of the exact same question comes up. How long do I have to wait? 
How long until I receive comfort? How long until I see that God is actually listening to my prayers? How long will bad things keep happening to me? How long will it be before something good happens in my life? Those questions are all over Scripture, all over the Psalms, and those questions still persist for us today. But of course, now we've had to deal with many other questions, uh, presently or in the recent past, about waiting. We have asked, how long do I have to go without seeing certain people? We have asked, how long will I have to wear a mask? How long will we have to worship outside? How long will I have to wait until life feels like normal again? Waiting can be hard, and we know this. And during this year, we've done a lot of really hard waiting. But we know that waiting and waiting on God is something that we have to do. It's a part of being a Christian. Moravians have understood this for a really long time. Centuries ago, when Moravians needed to make big decisions, they would turn to drawing responses from the lot to make sure that they had a way to include Jesus in the conversation. And so the possibilities that they could draw from the lot were yes, no, or wait. And when they drew wait, they wouldn't, they would actually wait. They wouldn't, you know, what we do with a magic eight ball and it says, ask again later. And you say, okay, three seconds, I guess, is later enough. And you ask all over again. That's not what Moravians did with this. They actually waited. So they prayed and they worshiped while they were waiting so that they could more clearly see what God was still doing, because clearly there was a reason why the lot said, wait. And so they wanted to figure out what that reason was. What if we adopted some of this mindset from our spiritual ancestors while we are waiting on God? So when things don't seem to be happening on our timeline, when we would want them to, could we still have hope that God is doing something that we are not aware of, even in that waiting? In those times, I wonder if we could ask ourselves, what is God pulling together here? How is God working behind the scenes? And even if we can't quite put our finger on what God is working on, having in mind that God is still working even though we have to wait, can still be enough to give us hope. After all, God's track record of working behind the scenes and fulfilling promises speaks for itself. Usually the things that God works towards, like ultimately giving the disciples the Holy Spirit and power they never imagined, oftentimes those things are well worth the wait. So if you find yourself waiting for comfort or answers or direction, trying to figure out what might be next, if you find yourself as done with waiting, <laughs> when waiting perhaps as a newly taught bike rider would be, take heart for God is not stagnant. Let us believe what our Moravian ancestors believed that God is on the move and is active in ways that you might not be aware of just yet. And given God's track record, perhaps just keeping that in mind is just enough for you to be hopeful and joyful as you wait, just like the disciples were as they returned to Jerusalem. So may God fill your waiting with hope, 
and joy and reassurance. Amen. We finish now our liturgy, and may the conclusion of this liturgy serve as our benediction for today. We thank you, Lord, for reigniting the flame of hope within us. Our expressions of hope ascend to you, our words of faith, our prayers of joy, our songs of praise, all the love we have for you, for ourselves, and for one another is pleasing in your sight. Fill us with your spirit that our life on earth might be a witness to your heavenly glory. Amen. Go in peace. Amen. <laughs>